Hello. Good morning, everyone. Hey. <laughs> morning. I'm going to start talking. So if you want to listen, that's cool. If you don't, you could carry on. Although that would be awkward. I don't know what I'd do if you did that. Just leave the room. Um, my name's Jenny. Um, Simon and I lead out here at East together. If you haven't met me before and I haven't met you, um, hopefully I'll get a chance to meet you at the end of the service. We are in Hebrews chapter 2, and it's an incredible series so far, but I want to introduce us to the theme a little bit by asking, have you ever, have you ever done that? So you know what that feels like, that panic. Um, I have never done that because I'm this sort of weird person who worries a lot. So I'm more likely to be on a bus looking out the window the whole time, nervous I am going to miss my stop. So it's never happened to me. But there was a time, so when we were in the UK, Simon commuted to London all the time. So he got very comfortable with commuting. He didn't spend the whole time looking out the train, worrying that he was going to miss his stop. And one day, he wasn't home when I was expecting him, and I thought, oh, okay, this is strange. Maybe he missed the train. And then the time came when the next train would have got in, and he still wasn't home, and I was starting to think, hmm, I wonder what's happened to him. And as I just said to you, I'm a bit of a worrier. I started imagining maybe he's dead in a ditch, because that's obviously (laughs) the most logical explanation for him being late. Um, tried to call his phone, it wasn't answering, so that obviously reinforced my concerns. Now, what had happened was his phone had run out of battery and he'd slept on the train and missed the station and had to go to the end of the line and wait for the next train to come back, so he was very late. But it's a horrible feeling, isn't it, when you realise that is my stop and I am passing it by and the place I need to be is getting further and further out of my reach. And that is what our passage today is really talking about, that sense of passing the gospel by and missing the place that we're meant to be. There's, I think there's a, there are things, there are people, there are ideas, philosophies, religions, movements, emotions, habits, people, desires, expectations, dreams, all of these things in our lives pull us along to a certain extent. And the warning in the message today is don't miss the gospel. Don't drift on by. Don't have that moment of realising, wow, it's passing and I'm, I've gone, I've passed it, um, I'm too late. So it tells us this passage today, it gives us a warning not to drift on past, but it tells us how to make sure that we don't. And so we're going to dig into it today. Hopefully we're going to learn some things. Um, that's always my prayer that we would learn some things. But before we read the passage, let's just recap on what we've heard in Hebrews so far. We've, we're three weeks in, we've covered the first chapter of Hebrews, and the overwhelming message is that Jesus is better. He's better than anything that you could bring up against him to compare him to. Jesus wins every time. He is the best. He is better. And um, we've learned that the book of Hebrews is a letter. It's written to a group of Jewish Christians, a group who were Jews and who have converted to follow Jesus. 
And so that significantly persecuted as a result of their choice to follow Jesus. And so maybe they're feeling discouraged and they're feeling a bit tempted to walk away from this new um, Jesus thing that they've heard about and go back to what was easier. So let's read the passage. It's real short today. You'll be pleased to know it's four verses. Um, but we're reading from Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1. If you've got your Bible, feel free to follow along or it's on the screen. We're reading from the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. Let me just pray before we go any further. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We always want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the power it has to speak into our lives. You know, like Nick said before, we're a church that is come as you are, which means we can come just as we are in your mercy to us. You don't leave us in that place, but you want to transform us. And so we open our hearts today to you. We pray by your spirit, would you transform our hearts? Would you transform our lives to be the people that you created us to be um, today? Lord, would you be with us? Would you speak to us now? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When this week's passage starts with the words, for this reason, it gives us a clue that we need to look back at what has gone on so far. So we just need to start by remembering what I've recapped. Um, Jesus is better, it's simple. That's what we're referring to this morning. For this reason, for this reason says, because Jesus is better. And last week, it particularly drew out that Jesus is better than the angels. Um, the Hebrews seem to have some kind of strange fixation of on angels. And so um, we've established that Jesus is better than anything. So for that reason, for the reason that Jesus is better, oh, I've lost my place already. This isn't a good start, is it? We must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. This is the key verse in our passage this week. We must pay attention all the more so that we do not drift away, so that we will not drift away. But in order to really understand the depth of that verse, there's a bit of digging that one. So we're not going to hang around. Are you ready for a journey through these verses with me? I hope so, because that's what we're doing. So if we've got to pay attention all the more to what we have heard, we need to know what we've heard, don't we? Well, if if we look at the rest of the passage, we can see that what we've heard is this message of salvation that Jesus spoke. Um, But first, the passage talks to us about a different message. It talks to us about a message spoken through angels. Now, sometimes with the Bible, I think it feels a bit like um, you've not been read in on the conversation, Do you know what that feels like when there's maybe a discussion going on and you haven't been given all the details? And I think sometimes when we come to the Bible, it feels a bit like that. We're reading this and we're thinking, 
this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I maybe don't have all the details here. And I think this passage is a bit like that. This message spoken through angels. Well, that sounds weird. What message are we talking about here? But it's good then to understand the position that these Jews were in and the things that they believed about the Bible, the things that they knew to be true. And it was universally believed that the message, the Old Testament law that came to Moses was brought by angels. So the message that it's talking about here is just the Old Testament law. So we could read that verse. The Old Testament law was legally binding and every punishment In Deuteronomy, when the Old Testament law was given by God through angels to Moses, Moses stood before the nation of Israel and he described to them the law that God had given. And the basis of the law was really one of, if you obey me, I will bless you. But on the reverse side, there was also consequences for disobedience. And... um, I think, sadly, the Old Testament really is a story of disobedience of God's people to him and the consequences that they experienced as a result of that. And the Israelites, God's people, knew very well, knew very clearly these um, uh, the, the punishment or the consequences for every transgression and disobedience. They knew that clearly because... Um, day after day they had to bring sacrifices to try and make peace with God, to try and make amends for the things that they were doing wrong. But really the Old Testament law just highlighted to people that they were not good enough. That they were not good enough, that they couldn't achieve this standard of perfection that God set. In fact, I think the only hope that comes in the Old Testament is this constant and consistent message that one day a Messiah is going to come. One day a saviour is going to come that is going to make all these sacrifices meaningless and come and pay the ultimate price so that every person can be made right with God. So if the consequences were serious with a message that was brought by angels, surely a message brought by Jesus would have consequences that are even more serious. It's a logical working through, isn't it? If we've just learned that Jesus is better than anything or anyone that we could come across, then a message that he brings is more significant than a message that angels can bring. So it's a great question then, what we get to. How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? But before we address that, let's look at what this great salvation is that's being referred to. So we know from all that Jesus taught in his time and his ministry on earth that in a nutshell, what we call the gospel or what we call the good news is this message of salvation. So I'm going to go over that briefly for us now. And it goes like this. God created you and he loves you. That's the starting point of this great message of salvation. Every person has sinned. Every person has rejected God. And because God is just, sin has a consequence. We've seen that in our verses today. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That just means the consequences of sin. Jesus, a perfect man, to live a perfect life, to be a perfect sacrifice. So Jesus died on a cross, uh, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. He rose again to... Um, show the world that he had defeated death, that he had defeated sin, that he was victorious and he was conquering. He showed himself to be God. 
And the end of that verse in Romans that says about the wages of sin being death, it says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It means that as a result of Jesus paying the ultimate price for sin, that he offers us a gift. And when we trust in him, when we give him our lives, when we trust that Jesus is the son of God, that he's done all of those things for us, we are able to receive that gift of salvation individually for ourselves. So this message that Jesus bought isn't just about a ticket to heaven. This message of salvation that Jesus bought wasn't just about what is going to happen to you when you die. But this message of salvation that Jesus bought was a message where God offers you an opportunity to live the life that he's created you to live in all of its fullness, in all of its freedom, an incredible message. And so that is the great salvation that he's talking about in here. But Jesus spent his whole earthly ministry calling people to follow him. He didn't just go around saying, believe in me. He called people to follow him. He called people to stop what they were doing and to come after him. And he gives a really helpful picture in Matthew 11 that I want us just to spend a few moments looking at, which give us an idea of what this following Jesus really looks like. It's in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Excuse me. Now a yoke looks like this. Um, It's a slightly unusual picture, I think, for Jesus to use. But actually when we look at it now, you'll see how powerful this picture is when we think about what it looks like to follow Jesus. A yoke is used, was used to train a new ox. So they would yoke a younger, weaker, less experienced ox to an older, stronger, more experienced ox go to teach the younger one how to do this job that they needed to do. But the purpose of it also was um, for the older one to bear the, the bulk of the weight, to really be a support to the younger one. So it was a guiding thing, but it was a supporting thing. It was a bearing the burden thing. Now, yoke was a really common word for Jews in Bible times um, when it, it came to describing some sort of obligation to God. So they used this word yoke a lot. They had lots of yokes as Jews. They had the yoke of the law, the yoke of repentance, the yoke of faith, lots and lots of obligations to God. And so Jesus really turns it on his head, on its head when he comes along and he says, he's saying, forget about all those other yokes. There's so many, you're so burdened with all of these yokes and all of these obligations. Take up my yoke and learn from me. And the difference with Jesus' yoke is, he says, I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. This this is quite mind-blowing for me because I don't know about you, but when I imagine Jesus, I think of a king. I think of God. I think of someone who is so awesome and so amazing and so worthy of my worship, so worthy of honour. And yet he's describing himself in this picture, as this picture, like an ox, that we would be yoked to him, 
That he would come down and he would not only say to us, this is the way I want you to live, do it. But he says, no, I want to come alongside you. I'm giving you the opportunity here to be yoked to me. I want to come alongside you and I don't only want to tell you the way to go, but I want to bear the burden for you. I want to lead you in the way to go and I'm going to bear the burden for you. And that's why his yoke is easy. And his burden is light because he wants to walk alongside us. But when we really understand this picture, when we look at this picture, we see how ridiculous it is to think that we can be saved and carry on to walk our own way. That we can be in a saving relationship with Jesus, but we can say, but I'm going to carry on living my life the way I want to, thanks. I'm going to carry on being in control of the decisions I make and the direction I go in. When we think of it like this, it shows how ridiculous that way of thinking is. Because when we come into a saving relationship with Jesus, we give him control. We say to him, I trust you enough to trust you with the whole direction of my life. I trust you enough to lead me in every way. I trust you enough to give it all to you. The readers of this letter who had not actually received salvation. They were hanging out with these Christians. They were um, spending time with them. They'd heard the message. They were familiar with the message. Maybe even some of them said they believed the message. But I believe there were some people there who hadn't actually trusted their lives to Jesus. And that's why they were getting this warning. They were living this kind of religious Christianity where they were trying their hardest to do all the right things, to live the right way, to look the right way, to be somehow acceptable to God. And yet the warning to them was, don't drift past. Don't miss this gospel. Don't miss this message of salvation. And so I wonder if there are people here today who have thought, I'm a good person. You know, when I look at the world, there's plenty of worse people than me around. I'm kind. I do good things. Surely that makes me good enough in God's eyes. Or maybe you come to church and you think, that must put you in God's good books. Or maybe you have heaps of Christian friends and so being associated with these Christians, that must make you okay. Or maybe you've been brought up in a Christian family or maybe you attend a Christian youth group. And so there are reasons in your life to make you think, I must be, except that none of us in our own strength are acceptable to God. None of us meet the standard. We all fall short. And I know that because Jesus considered it necessary to give up his life. Do you know, I know for a fact Jesus would not have endured the cross if it wasn't absolutely necessary, if there was some way for us to be good enough in our own strength. But there was no way for us to be good enough. And so Jesus made a way. So the question then, how will we escape if we neglect this message? The answer is we won't escape. There's no other way. There's no other way to be in a relationship with God. There's no other way to be acceptable to him. Jesus said himself, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so maybe you're here this morning weighing up the options. Maybe you're just exploring what this Christianity is all about, what Jesus is all about. You're wondering if the cost is worth it. Well, I want to tell you this morning, the cost of following Jesus is high. I've just described that to you. The cost of following Jesus is saying, I actually give up my rights 
to decide the direction of my life. Now, Jesus, I give it over to you. But the cost is absolutely worth it because there's no other way to come into right relationship with our creator. There's no other way to know and experience the life that he has created us to live. You know, the reason that this message Jesus brought us is so great, we're just going to um, quickly skip through these. The first one is that this salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord. Well, it's a no-brainer, isn't it, that when we've spent the whole of the first chapter looking at how superior Jesus is to anything else and everyone else, if Jesus himself brings a message, then that message is going to be pretty significant. So that's the first reason this message is so great. The second reason this message is so great is it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. I already said to you, the readers of this letter, as Christians, they were facing persecution. (coughs) This was a difficult time for them, and there were many Christians facing persecution at that time. And I think when things get hard, I believe when things were getting hard for them, but also when things get hard for us, it can make you think, did I hear this message right? Actually, did I get this right, or have I... Have I, you know, missed the memo somewhere along the line? Have I made a mistake here? This is saying this message that Jesus brought, it wasn't only Jesus that brought it, but it was confirmed by many people. It was confirmed by people who walked with him and talked with him. It was confirmed by people who heard those words from his very mouth. It was confirmed by people who saw him. It was confirmed by people who heard it as well. And so we can be confident in this message. And then it says, at the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. We can be confident that this message is great because God himself confirmed it. He confirmed it by miracles, not only through Jesus when he was walking this earth, but he confirmed it through miracles. Once Jesus had ascended to heaven and his disciples were walking around, um, and he confirms it by this distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit. Now, we might think of that, oh, yeah, that's like teaching, miracles, healing, you know, um, prophecy. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This word gifts is a different word, though. It's um, the Greek word merismos. I actually don't know if that's how you say it. But it means um, a distribution or a division or a sharing out. So these gifts that it's talking about here is the fact that God shared out his spirit on those who believed in Jesus. That that is a confirmation of this incredible message. And the first time he did that was a momentous moment. We call it the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. And it says he came like a rushing wind and tongues of fire. But God continues to pour out his Holy Spirit. He continues to pour out his Holy Spirit on every person who comes to receive Jesus, to put their trust in him, who come to receptions that when you've trusted and believed in Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so this message is the real deal. This message is a great message of salvation. So let's come back to the key verse that's been up on Facebook this week for you all to ponder. We must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. So we spent a lot of time unpacking the what we have heard. What do we need to do? The sense of this statement, pay attention, it's not, um, it's more than just concentrate or listen harder. It's, it's a sense of devoting thought and effort to something. 
This isn't just an intellectual thing. It's more than a matter of just your mind and your thoughts, but it's your action too. I was thinking about if you want to get fit, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good to read lots of books and to concentrate a lot on that idea and to watch workouts on the TV and to watch other people doing exercise. None of those things are going to help you get fit. And this idea of paying attention all the more is exactly like that. If we, if we want to um, guard ourselves from drifting away, we need to pay attention with more than just our minds, but with our effort as well, with our actions, with our lives. We need to pay attention to this message of salvation. Then the word that's translated as extraordinarily or magnificently or exceedingly. I was challenged about that. Is that how carefully... I pay attention to the message of Jesus. Do I pay attention to Jesus magnificently, extraordinarily, exceedingly? Think about that for yourself this morning. Is that how you pay attention to Jesus and his message of salvation? Because that's what this verse is calling us to do. It's the only way you're going to prevent yourself from drifting past the gospel You know, we've already said today, you're welcome here, whatever you believe, wherever you're at on your journey of faith, or if you've not even entered into a journey of faith, you're so welcome here. But I want to encourage you this morning, um, if you're in danger of drifting past Jesus, please take this message seriously. You know, this is serious. This isn't games that we're playing with. Jesus considered this so important that he gave up his life. He endured the cross. This is a serious message. And so let's take it seriously, not only for ourselves, but for our friends and our family and our colleagues and our neighbours and the people in our world who don't yet believe this message. Let's take it seriously, lead us to pray more, that would lead us to be more courageous in our conversations, that it would lead us to live more authentically in this life, that we know this life of freedom and fullness in Jesus. Let it make us more courageous in our invitations as we invite people to church to come and experience what we know to be true. Let's make sure that the people in our lives who are in danger of drifting by don't do it on our watch. So today's message is a warning. There are a few in Hebrews, and this is the first. So this isn't a game. Jesus takes it seriously, and it means we have to do something about it this morning. Every one of us has a response to this message this morning. You know, it's not okay just to say, yes, I believe And I'm just going to trot alongside of the yoke just so I'm free to go the way I want to go if it gets to that point. But what Jesus requires of us is to fully submit to him, to fully say to him, I'm yours. I trust you enough to give you my life. I'm sure there's a whole range of people here today. But wherever you're at, there's something, there's some business I believe you can do with Jesus this morning. Whether you're following Jesus today or not, whether your willingness to give him control has been realised today that the way you pay attention to Jesus and the gospel is far from magnificent or extraordinary. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage us to come back to Jesus this morning. To come back not with a pretense or a mask or a cover because he sees where you're at. 
but to come to him openly and honestly this morning and say, Jesus, how do you need me to respond to you today? What do you need me to do? And he doesn't want your hard work and your religious activity. That's not what he's asking for this morning. He's not asking for you to say, yep, God, I'm going to try harder from this day onwards. I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better. He wants your heart. Jesus this morning wants a relationship with you. He wants to know that you're walking alongside him, like in the picture of the yoke. That He wants to know that you're allowing him to bear the burden of that yoke. He wants to know that you're following him wherever he's going to take you. And so we're going to take communion as our response this morning. And I think it's so um, perfect in this response because it draws us back to Jesus. And if there's any temptation this morning to think, oh, I need to try harder, I pray that this would, this would prevent you from doing that because these symbols of communion, this juice and this bread, remind us of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The price that he paid so that we could be forgiven. So that we don't have to try hard to be good enough because he's done that for us. And so what I want us to do this morning is as we come and take these symbols, as we come and hold juice and bread in our hands, as we come to Jesus, that we would, every one of us, say to him, examine my heart today. Examine my heart. Where am I at before you? What is the response that you want from me today? And I don't know if it might be helpful for you. We've put the communion up at the front today because it might be helpful for you to come and use this space at the front as we worship. Maybe to come and kneel and to spend some time, you and Jesus. And some of you now are going, that sounds awful. But don't worry about what anyone else is thinking this morning. This space is a safe space for you to encounter Jesus. And so don't go without using it. Don't go without taking the opportunity this morning to come and consider Jesus. Maybe can we have the worship team just come up to the stage? And I'm just going to, I'm going to pray for us before we take communion. I really want to encourage you to lay yourself bare before Jesus. He is a safe person to do that with. He's not going to leave you He's not going to leave you there without leading you on. And remember this morning that salvation is by grace. It is a free gift to us. It is undeserved. None of us in this room deserve this gift of salvation, but Jesus offers it to us today. So we don't earn it this morning because trying to earn salvation is actually me saying I'm still in charge. I'm going to do good enough. Actually, God is asking us today to lay our lives down before him. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. And then there's going to be some trays of communion here and here and round here. And I just want to encourage you as you as you feel ready, come and take some bread and take some juice and take some time. Take some time to come before Jesus this morning and consider what is it that he wants me to do today as a result of what I've heard. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your word that always brings life, that always brings freedom. I pray today that if anyone's feeling condemnation right now, that you would take that away. 
because Father I know that you don't condemn and so I pray Lord where you're convicting us today God give us courage to respond would you gift us this morning with the trust in you with the faith in you that we need to take a step towards you today And Lord, wherever each of us is at, Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking to us in these moments. And so, as we come to the cross now, as we come to remember what you did, Jesus, I pray that you would humble us. Help us to know that we can give you everything. We can give you our lives because you're the one who created us. You're the one who knows the absolute best for us and so help us God to trust you with everything and Lord I pray as well that you'd lay on our hearts this morning those in our lives who don't yet know you Lord would you burden us with um, with a desire and a love for them that would mean we would do everything we can to stop them drifting by this incredible message of salvation so we commit ourselves to you this morning we love you Jesus thank you so much for the cross We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When you're ready, come come and take bread, come and take juice. If you want to use this space and if you want someone to pray with you, ask us. Um, There's a number of us around here in the first couple of rows that would love to pray with you if if that's you.